Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We are in our second message in our new series, Fight the Good Fight of Faith. And if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back as we identified the three enemies that we face as Christians. Every believer faces those three enemies, and we gave you some practical uh, guidelines on how to fight the good fight of faith. Tonight's message is titled, Fight as an Army. Fight as an Army. You know, I read an amazing story about a pilot named Henry Dempsey who was flying from Portland, Maine to Boston one day. And Dempsey, the pilot, heard an unusual noise near the rear of this little commuter plane shortly after takeoff. And so when they reached about 4,000 feet, Captain Dempsey turned the controls over to his co-pilot and went to the back of this little 15-passenger turbo-pop plane to investigate this unusual sound. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket and Dempsey was bounced against the rear door and he quickly discovered the source of this mysterious noise. As he reached the tail section, the rear door had been improperly latched prior to takeoff. And when they hit the turbulence and his body hit the door, guess what happened? The door flew open and Dempsey was instantly sucked out of the tiny plane. The co-pilot suddenly heard wind rushing through the cabinet, uh, through the cabin and saw the red light warning indicating that a door was open and it became obvious what had happened. So he quickly radioed the nearest airport requesting permission for an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane and asked a helicopter search team to go over the area of the ocean where they had been flying. After the plane landed, the ground crew was astonished. They found Dempsey alive, desperately clinging to the outdoor stair railing of the aircraft. Somehow when uh, the stair door propped open and his body got sucked out, he fell through the door and he managed to seize a hold of the, this, this stairway, this metal step that was there. And for 10 minutes, in a desperate fight for his life, Dempsey endured the force of 200 mile per hour winds and then land, a landing where he barely kept his head from being smashed against the runway, which was only 10 inches away from his head. According to news reports, Dempsey was holding on to the stair railway with such a tenacity of force that it took the the rescue team several minutes to pry his fingers off of the stair when the alternative to not holding on tightly became clear he held on and he fought with for his life holding on as tightly as he could you know, the same is true spiritually. We are in a fight for our life, and we need to hold on to Jesus tightly in faith and refuse to let go for anything. Amen? The Bible repeatedly reminds us that as Christians, we are engaged in a war. 
The problem is that many Christians either don't believe this or they're not spiritually discerning and aware of the forces of darkness that are in operation against believers, against the church, and against God's purpose in the world. But the Bible warns us time and again that we need to be alert and vigilant and that we need to fight. Read with me if you will, 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm reading verses 11 through 12. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, but you, O man of God, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. He's talking about fleeing sin and ungodly things. And he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, maintaining our fight is essential to holding on to eternal life, to holding on to our salvation. And Paul makes it clear in 1 Thessalonians 3, 5, that Satan's number one target is our faith. That's why Jesus said, if we endure to the end, we will be saved. It's not how you start. It's the fact that you endure, amen, that you hold tightly to our faith. And we don't give up because Satan is constantly fighting to destroy our faith. And as Christians, we need to live with the awareness that we are at war and we are fighting for our life. Christian theologian and author John Piper writes this, and I thought it was very powerful. He said, we don't have a wartime mentality. And therefore, our young men and women do not gather late at night in basement rooms and plot their strategies to detonate Satan's bridgehead and liberate his captives. We don't see ourselves as insurgents in the alien territory of sin, planting explosives of righteousness and truth at every fortified wall. And so our eyes don't meet with a flame of eternal friendship. And say without a word amid a thousand strangers or aliens, you and I will die for this cause and join hands in the resurrection. He says, we don't feel like a fifth column devoted with all of our strength to sabotage the rule of Satan in this world. And therefore, our life together is not intense, but petty. He says, there are no coded handshakes of joy or secret passwords. Like, you know, the first century church, they had the fish to identify themselves. You know, that fish that we, uh, you see often drawn like that. And it identified themselves to one another as Christians. It was like a secret password because there was so much persecution. But if you saw them draw that fish, you're like, okay, you're one of us, you know. Uh, uh, so, you know, in, in times of persecution, they had to come up with these kinds of, of secret passwords and codes, just like in time of war. He goes on to say, and there are few tearful embraces and songs of thanks because a squad of witnesses has returned safely, even bringing some liberated captives home. And he closes saying this, the crying need of the hour is to put churches on a wartime footing. Folks, we've got to get back on a wartime footing because we are living in the last days. I believe Jesus Christ could return at any moment. And the Bible says the devil, knowing that his time is short, comes down with a fury. Amen. And so if we're not on a wartime uh, footing, the devil is going to be able to get the advantage over us. Amen. And so we have to realize that we are at war and we need to have a wartime mentality. Last week, we looked at the fact that the Christian life is a lifelong fight 
fight, that we're fighting against a defeated foe, but we must enforce the victory of Jesus in our life. And again, I encourage you, if you missed that message, jump online to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, and you can watch the entire message there. But to fight the good fight of faith, we spoke about the importance of living close to Jesus, of being empowered by the Spirit, and we're doing a series right now on Sunday mornings called The Promise. We're talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the importance of being empowered by the Spirit. So I encourage you, don't miss even one of those messages because we all need to be empowered by the Spirit to fight the good fight of faith. So we need to live close to Jesus. We need to be empowered by the Spirit. And we need to be committed to obeying the Word. We do those three things, we're going to be able to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Now tonight, we're going to look at another key element in fighting the good fight of faith that we too often ignore. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. I'm reading this in the New International Version. It says, see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today or while there's still time is what he's saying. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold, there's that thing of grasping and seizing and not letting go, we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. So here's that encouragement again to hold tightly to our faith. So in this passage, the Lord warns us of two dangers that every Christian faces because of the battle we're in. And those two dangers are having a sinful and secondly, an unbelieving heart that turns us away from God. And of course, that's the goal of Satan. He wants to tempt every one of us into sin so that we will rebel against God and it will break our relationship with God. And he attacks our faith because he wants us to walk in unbelief. So he fills us with doubt and questions through the hardships and, and the difficulties that he attacks us with. This last week, I had the privilege, which I do every year, they bring down from the Assembly of God College in Lakeland called Southeastern University, which is where I graduated from with my BA and my master's. And, and they bring down a class of junior and senior ministry students to the South Florida area. And they tour about eight churches in the area. And we're always one of the churches that they tour and the pastors speak into their lives. And one of the things that they always ask us to speak on uh, here is the move of the Spirit, uh, because that's not something that is widely uh, manifest any longer, although we need it desperately, amen? And so I was speaking, you know, into the students, telling them, you know, the way God has moved in our midst, the miracles we've seen, the healings we've seen, etc. And And one young man, uh, uh, you know, brought up the fact that, well, you know, not everybody that we pray for gets healed, and, you know, it, 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 it can be discouraging to people, and, you know, what do you do? Maybe we should shouldn't be preaching that, you know, God is a healing God in there, you know, and so I started to, to speak to him and, and, and to tell him, you know, that we need to encourage people in faith, you know, we need to encourage people to believe the word of God, and what we need to do is, is not bring the word of God down to our experience, but we need to bring our experience up to, you know, the promises of God's word. But that's, that's what Satan wants to do. If we don't see God move the way we think he should move, if we go through a trial, if we go through a difficulty, Satan wants to fill us with doubt. He wants to fill us with questions so that we won't believe the word of God, so that we won't hold tightly to our faith, because then, uh, then he knows that he can prevail over us because unbelief will fill our hearts. And so uh, when we are filled with unbelief, it can lead us to harden our heart against God. 
you know, because for instance, somebody doesn't get healed and they wonder why I don't get healed. Then they get upset with God and then their heart starts to, uh, to turn, you know, instead of saying, Lord, you know, search me if there's anything that's hindering. Lord, strengthen my faith that I can continue to believe you until you heal me, Lord. Instead of doing that, they just get angry at God and, 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 and uh, harden their heart against him. And that's Satan's tactic. That's what Satan wants to happen. But here in this passage, God also tells us how we can protect ourselves from these dangers. And the first thing he tells us in this passage is we must fight together. We must fight together. No one, no one goes to battle alone. Nations never send a single soldier on the battlefield. They send an army, they send a troop, they send a platoon, amen? They never send an individual soldier. As I was preparing this message, I came across an article titled, In the Face of Adversity and War, Bonds Among Soldiers Are as Strong as Kinship. The article said this, It's no surprise for anyone to find that soldiers fighting together on the front line are tied together by a special relationship. They have to be. Soldiers need to know they can wholeheartedly depend upon each other, putting their faith in one another's ability. It's not just about survival, he says, it's about comfort. Knowing there's someone close to you that can perfectly relate to what you're going through. You'll often hear warring bands of brothers speak of their unit as a family. But how deep or intense is that link? A study made by researchers who joined frontline warriors during uh, the Libyan conflict in 2011 suggests that the bonds soldiers formed in times of great adversity were as strong as those they had with their own kin or their own family, literally. The article goes on to say scientists have always been puzzled by soldier soldiery bonds. What makes most fighters from the same side ready themselves to make the ultimate sacrifice for a person with which they do not share close genetic makeup? Because family members will do anything for one another and they become family on the battlefield. Look at what Hebrews 3.12 said. We just wrote it, read it a moment ago. See to it, what? Brothers and sisters. Church, God never intended us to do the Christian life alone. God, when we are born again, he places us in a spiritual family. And we need to build those ties within the body of Christ that we have brothers and sisters in Christ. When I first got saved, you know, my parents were not serving the Lord. You know, I had all my plans. You know, I was going to be a doctor and everything like that. My father was not too pleased that God called me into the ministry. And he was like, you're not going to make a living doing that, you know. But anyhow, I started going to church, you know, as often as I could. You know, I was there every time virtually the doors were open. And it kind of upset my dad for a while. And he was like, this house is not a hotel. You don't just come here to sleep you 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 should you you should take your bed down to the church if you're going to spend all your time you know so I, I went through all of that with him you know and and he would be like you know we're your family and but later my dad and mom got saved and when we started this church they dedicated their heart to Christ and they started attending they always sat Adonica and Susan you might remember they always sat where you guys are sitting right for over 30 years uh, they sat there you know but um, my dad started to build, you know, relationships in the body of Christ. And one day he said, you know what? I now realize what you always said. He said, because I am closer to some of the people in the church than I am to my own family. See, those ties had begun to be built 
within the family of God in their lives. God is telling us he never intended for us to fight this fight alone. He never intended us to live the Christian life solo. We are a part of a family. We are a part of an army. We are a part of a brotherhood of believers called the church. Amen? So don't try to fight the battle alone. The key to fighting the good fight of faith is to fight together and to fight for one another. Because you know what? We need to fight together because the Bible says one can set up flight a thousand, but two can set up flight. 10,000, amen? The spiritual power is multiplied when we join together. But also, we need to fight for one another because today, you may not be going through a trial, but you can fight for somebody who is. But tomorrow, you may be going through a trial and you can't fight for yourself, but you need somebody there to fight for you. And that's why we need to build those relationships within the body of Christ, amen? Because when we have those tight relationships in the body of Christ, somebody's gonna be there to fight for you. Amen? And so that's what God's plan is. We are engaged in the same battle. We are fighting against the same enemy. We share the same experiences so we can understand one another. And God has called us to fight together. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. Now, we often read this verse and we interpret interpret it individually to mean that God will help us individually or personally and not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear or beyond our strength. And certainly we can apply it uh, personally. But, you know, when you know the Greek, when you study the Greek, you realize there's a deeper meaning here. In English, we only have one word for you unless you're from New York and you say, use guys. (laughs) Or you're from the South and you say, y'all. But mostly, we only have one word for you, right? But in other languages, they have more than one word for you. For instance, in Spanish, tu is, is, uh, you say, tu, t-u, tu is somebody individually that you have a familiar relationship with, or usted is formal if if somebody uh, is respected or whatever, you say usted, but but you can also say ustedes, and that's speaking of a group, okay? So they have different words for an individual, you, and another word for a group, you, okay? Following me so far? That's how Greek is as well. We only have one word for you in English, whether singular or plural. So whenever we read you in the Bible, we tend to interpret it to mean me, individually. But in Greek, there's a different word for you, singular, and a different word for you, plural. And guess what? In this passage that we just read about no no temptation has ever overtaken you, the word you is not singular. It is plural. And so one commentator says this, this makes all the difference in the world. Because what it means is that God will not let you be tested beyond the strength of your faith community. Let me let that sink in. He will not let you be tested beyond the strength of your faith community. Because sometimes individually we're like, God, you said you'd never let me be tested above my strength, but God, this is crushing me. And I just... But it was never meant for you to bear that by yourself. He 
says he will not allow us to be tested beyond the strength of our faith community. When an individual is tested, this, this commentator says, the whole community is being tested. God never intended believers to resist that testing or temptation on their own. Like a rope with many strands, the strength is in the community. You know what the Bible says? A rope of two strands easily broken, a rope of three strands not easily pulled apart. So the more strands you have in your rope, the more people that you are connected with, guess what? The stronger the rope. So the, this commentator says this passage presupposes that the listener is a part of a faith community. The passage assumes that we are established in relationship with a faith community. The commentator goes on to say, you need community. Don't forget that you're in the midst of a very real spiritual warfare, and the last place you want to be alone is on the battlefield. You want your platoon around you. Come on, folks. This is a powerful, powerful truth. And as we fight together, we forge even deeper bonds of brotherhood with one another so that we become the family of God, not in name only, but in experience. We need to fight together, and we need to fight for one another. In our text, the Lord tells us that we must help each other in battle. Camaraderie in the fight of faith is not an optional fringe benefit. It is one that God has ordained. It is the essential way of fighting the fight of faith and laying hold of eternal life. Paul, at the end of his life, says, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. But one of the ways that Paul fought and endured to the end was by surrounding himself with believers who would pray, who would encourage him, and who would stand together with him. Do you know that Paul virtually never traveled alone? He was evangelizing all over Asia Minor, but not alone. He always took a team with him. When he first started to follow Christ, his team was Barnabas, a more mature believer. Barnabas' name means son of encouragement, because if you study Barnabas' life in Scripture, he was an encourager. And Paul needed that, especially when he was young in faith. So his first team was with Barnabas. Later in his ministry, his team would consist of others such as Silas and Timothy and Luke and Aristarchus and Mark, Epaphras and others, but he never traveled alone. He always had a team together with him. And, and, and that's how he was able to fight the good fight of faith. That's how he was able to keep hold of eternal life. The one time that we read of Paul being forced to go off by himself to Athens, we read that his spirit was almost broken by the overwhelming evil that was present there. And he immediately realized what was happening and he sent for Timothy to join him. Paul, this great man of God, realized that he could not fight this battle alone. And he sent for Timothy. And when Timothy came, he was greatly encouraged. And then the ministry was able to take off. Sometimes we might think that Paul and other ministers never need encouragement. I have news for you. We do. I've been serving the Lord for over 30 years. I still need encouragement. Amen. 
I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. I don't care how great your faith is. We need those relationships and we need the encouragement that they bring. In 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7, Paul describes a time in Macedonia when he and his team were exhausted by the battle because they were afflicted on every turn fighting external threats that just kept coming against them. And then fear was rising up within them. And he says in verses six and seven, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us. How did God comfort them? By the coming of Titus. God uses people in our life to help strengthen us because the word comfort speaks of strengthening. He brought them Titus. And he says, not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. So here comes Titus, and that brings comfort. But then Titus says, you know, the church is praying for you. The church loves you. The church is concerned about you. And what happened? Oh, Paul begins to become refreshed. Paul begins to become strengthened. So Titus's presence and the news of the love and support of the church brought comfort and joy to Paul. And I love that word comfort because it is the Greek word parakaleo. In fact, it's one of the names applied to the Holy Spirit. He is another comforter. We say another paraclete. It's from this word parakaleo. And the word in Greek means one who comes alongside to help, to strengthen, to encourage. And Paul needed people to come alongside of him to comfort him, to strengthen him, to encourage him. And we all need people at times in our life. I don't care how much of a hermit you are. We all need people. We all need people because we all go through stuff that we cannot handle on our own, amen? So Paul needed the companionship and comfort of Titus and the church. And if he needed it, this great man of God needed it, how much more do we? So we need to be a part of a faith community. We need to be connected in relationship within a faith family. We must fight together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we must learn to depend on one another, and we must learn to come along alongside of one another and comfort each other. And I'm going to speak very lovingly to those of you that are watching us online, and we're so glad that you uh, have joined us online. But sitting on your couch alone at home, you cannot build relationships with other believers. Believers. Amen. And sitting at home alone, we don't know when you're going through something. Amen. And plus, there's people here that need your encouragement. But if you're at home, then that's going to be lacking. So I love you. I'm glad you're tuning in tonight. But I want to encourage you to come back out in person. Amen. God bless you. The message is not over with. Don't get up. A second principle that we learned from uh, the passage of scripture we just read, we must daily encourage one another in the fight. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, but encourage one another when? Daily, as long as it is called today, meaning while there's still time. You don't wait till someone's backslidden and the devil's got a hold of them, amen? While there is still, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Folks, I said it before, I say it again, we all need to be encouraged in our faith, in our walk with the Lord. One of the tactics of warfare that the Satan, Satan uses so effectively is to isolate us and then attack us. That's his, one of his favorite tactics. And we see that tactic of isolation used repeatedly in scripture. When Jacob was fleeing Esau, 
When Hagar was fleeing from Sarah and she just became so distraught. When Moses was fleeing from Pharaoh. When Elijah was hiding in a cave after Jezebel's threat and he just wanted to give it all up. He just wanted to die. Uh, When David was fleeing from Saul, there is that tactic of the enemy to isolate, to attack, and to come in for the kill. Because Satan understands that the feelings of isolation, abandonment, and loneliness make us more vulnerable to his attacks, more vulnerable to doubt and disbelief, more vulnerable to temptation. So he wants to get us away from the family of God. Get us away from the body of Christ. One writer says, when you're feeling isolated and alone, reach up to God and reach out to your neighbor. When you cultivate deep and authentic horizontal relationships, it protects you against the devil's attack on your vertical relationship. Did you hear me? When you cultivate strong horizontal relationships with one another in the body of Christ, it protects you against the enemy's attack against your vertical relationship with God. We keep each other, help each other to stay strong in our faith. So I ask you, are you surrounded with like-minded, spirit-filled, joy-saturated people? When you surround yourself with those kind of people, Satan loses his power over your thoughts, and when you resist him, he will I want to point out something to you as well. Jesus didn't do life alone, and he didn't do ministry alone. Come on now. He had 12 that went with him everywhere he went, and he had three among those 12 that were particularly close to him. So not even Jesus went about life alone. We all need the encouragement of others, no matter how long we've served the Lord or how strong our faith Last April, when I had to put my mother in hospice due to her decline in health, the first couple of days, I literally felt so overwhelmed. Here, I was the primary caretaker, the only caretaker for my mother who was becoming increasingly uh, paralyzed to where she eventually came paralyzed from the neck all the way down. And and I just felt so overwhelmed that I didn't know what to do for her or how to do it. And I just felt so very isolated and alone. And I am so grateful for those of our congregation who reached out by phone, by email, by text, by cards, by message. I'm grateful for those who came in person. And some of them would just sit with my mother and say, go pastor and do what you need to do. And you don't know what a blessing that you were to me. I'm grateful for a fellow minister and his wife. They have ministered here. They pastor in North Carolina, Wallace and Joy Phillips, who they always listen to our live stream. And they heard last year when I mentioned putting my mom in hospice and they called me and they encouraged me and they prayed for me. And Joy Phillips had been a hospice chaplain. So she understood what I was going through and her words and her prayer brought such comfort and encouragement to my heart. I am so grateful to these pastors who I know they're busy with their ministries because I know what ministry takes out of you, but they took the time to, to, to call and to encourage and to pray for me. I am so grateful that I have a community of faith, that I have a family of God, that I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are there to encourage, to pray, and to uplift. I need it. You need it. You need it. 
See, just like Paul, we all need encouragement because, folks, the battle is real. The battle is real. And not only do we need encouragement, but that's why we all need to be encouragers. We need to be encouragers. Because we all at times need encouragement, we all need to be encouragers. And how often? We need to encourage each other daily. That's not just on Sundays. Amen? Because guess what? Sometimes trouble don't hit you on Sunday. The devil don't wait till Sunday to attack you. Most of the time, it's sometime during the week when you're by yourself. And that's why we need to have those relationships within the body of Christ that go beyond just seeing each other in service and saying, hi, how you doing? God bless you. I'm highly favored of the Lord. Amen. See you next week. No. We, we need to have those relationships in the body of Christ where, you know, you can pick up a phone, phone and call somebody and say, I need you to pray for me right now. Or because you're so connected to one another and in tune with the Spirit, God can put somebody on your heart. And, and, and you can pick up your phone and call them and say, you know, I don't know what's going on in your life and I don't need to know. But God just put, me on your, on, put you on my heart and I'm going to pray for you. See, that needs to be happening all the time in the body of Christ. He said we need to encourage each other daily while there is still time. And this is the means by which God intends for us to defend against the attack of the enemy, to defend against his temptation to sin and his attack to bring us to unbelief. This is the means that God has established to guard our salvation and to hold fast to our faith. It is through the encouragement of the community of God. Our perseverance and our endurance to the end is not a solo act. It is a community project. You know that saying about, you know, it takes a village to raise a child? Amen. Well, it takes a community of faith for Christians to stand strong and fight the good fight of faith. Amen. We need to encourage each other daily as long as it is called today so none of our hearts would become hardened by unbelief and none of us would fall prey to sin's deceitfulness. And folks, we never know what someone is battling. We don't know at what point they will be overcome by the battle. And that's why we can't wait till it's too late. We need to do the encouragement now. We need to do it today while it's still called today. Amen? Because we don't know that one thing, you know, because sometimes you're going along and the battle's been heavy. And you, you've ever heard about the, the straw that broke the camel's back? You know, you've been going through all of this stuff and then just one thing, and it can even be a small thing, and it just comes and, and just knocks you for a loop and you're out of the game. Amen? So we don't know at what point somebody is in the battle and we don't know when that one thing may come that will overwhelm them, but we can guard against that by making sure that on a regular basis we are encouraging one another, we are praying for one another, and we are building those relationships in the body of Christ. Amen? We are in a battle, and yes, we need to pray, and yes, we need to worship, and yes, we need to read the word, and yes, we need to stand on the promises of God and declare them over our lives, but we also need each other other. We need to fight together and we need to fight for one another and we need to daily encourage one another. That is God's appointed means for us to hold firm to our faith and endure to the end. Amen. I love one definition of church that I read. It says the church is a community of believers who will convince you 
that you can make it and then stand beside you while you try. Amen? A community of believers who will convince you that you can make it because sometimes you just feel like it's just too much. I can't. But then some folks come alongside him and say, you can do this. God is with you. You know, we're going to pray for you. We're going to stand. So they'll convince you that you can make it and stand beside you while you try. That's what the church is. So folks, let's be the church. Let's not just go to church. Let's be the church. Let's be that brotherhood of believers, that band of warriors who go to battle together and stand and fight for each other and encourage one another daily so that we can make it. Amen? So tonight as our altar call, I want us to commit to build strong relationships within the body of Christ and to be an encourager. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet as we respond to the word of God tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you for the gift of the church. We thank you for the blessing of the body of believers. We thank you that you have not placed us here to do life on our own, Lord God, but that you have given us a family that will stand with us, encourage us, and fight together with us and for us, Lord God. Father, tonight, in response to your word, we make a commitment, Lord God, to, to be uh, building relationships within the body of Christ. We make a commitment, Lord God, that just as we need encouragement, that we will also give encouragement, Lord God. Father, let us find somebody every day to speak a word of encouragement, a word of faith, or to pray for somebody, Lord God. Let us find ways to encourage one another throughout the week, Lord God, that we may be strengthened, that we may fight the good fight of faith, and that we may withstand and be victorious over the enemy. Father, we commit to this and ask the help of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Be sure to come on Sunday as we continue our series, The Promise on the Power of the Holy Spirit. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.